On tonight's episode, we preview groups E to H, we have a quiz on World Cup's past, and we take a look at our final predictions. Who's going to win and who's going to win the Golden Boot? This is the Talkie Talker Podcast. Hello ladies and gentlemen and welcome to the second part of the World Cup preview. In the first part we previewed groups A to D and this time down we are going from groups E to H. But before we begin we haven't had too much football in the recent past few days so no talkie points there. But on the other hand let me just ask you your favorite World Cup related memories. So why don't we start with uh, Radha ji. Radha ji what was your favorite ever World Cup related memory? I had a few that I was picking from uh, some from 2006 some from 2010 but I think the f- one I'll go with is well actually let's let's do this as a mini quiz my my talky moment of past world cups is clovis acosta fernandez does that ring a bell say, say that again clovis acosta fernandez is that luis figo ronaldo's full name it's not ronaldo's full name or luis figo it is it is the name of the guy the famous uh, sad brazilian man holding the world cup after the germany defeat oh. so ah. that's i think uh, an earth-shattering moment for me uh, as a brazil fan i'm not that much of a fan that i that these kinds of things you know haunt me or anything so it it was like a, a really seismic moment uh, in world cup history where brazil got um, humbled like that so yeah that's my moment okay yeah that was quite a epochal moment uh, rk what's your favorite memory I already talked about uh, my uh, like one of the best moments uh, from my world cup viewing last episode uh, when henry kamara scored the, uh, you know scored that golden goal winner for senegal against sweden so i'll take another one uh, that has to be ronaldinho's free kick over david simmons head in the uh, in the world cup 2002 quarter final i guess that put an end to i mean any superiority that david simmons had as a goalkeeper probably shattered his confidence going forward as well Ab, what's your favorite World Cup related memory? My favorite World Cup related memory is my first World Cup related memory, which was 2002 World Cup, the very first game, uh, Senegal beating the holders France. One nil. France were like at the top of world football at that stage. They had won the previous World Cup. They had won Euro 2000. They were absolutely flying, and uh, I think it was, um, I think it was Papa Bubba Diop who scored the goal and. Uh, Uh, and i think i think france got eliminated in the group stage if my memory serves uh, so for me like and from that's where my football watching journey kind of started so that's my favorite or at least the favorite one that i can recall yeah that was another of those uh, seismic events that uh, happened in world football i mean france was so dominant at that point of time but yeah just bumped out So finally we have uh, Ashwin Ashwin what's your favorite all time world cup related memory Yes sir uh, I think the 7-1 for me was definitely uh, one of the biggest moments but I think the other one would be the one when Miroslav Klose broke broke the record for the most goals scored I think that's that's again I know not, not a lot of people rate him as the proper number 9 striker but I think the record speaks for itself So yeah, that's the other one. 
Yeah, and the fact that he broke Ronaldo's record is also a significant achievement. For me, it's something that happened off the pitch, actually. So, I mean, completely unrelated to the football. Uh, when the 2010 World Cup happened in South Africa, my sister was living there. So, when she came back to India, she got me a Brazil jersey that she got from the first store that opened in South Africa, which was selling World Cup-related merchandise. So, I still have that. In fact, I have... Sometimes when I've been wearing it outside, some people have confused me for being a Brazilian. Uh, you know, when you uh, like started narrating the story, I thought she brought you a Vuvuzela from there. <laughs> anyway, uh, let's get uh, into the analysis and the preview of the group. Uh, so we're starting off with Group E, which is uh, Spain, Costa Rica, Germany and Japan. I mean, this is considered to be one of the tougher groups uh, in the competition with uh, two European powerhouses. I mean, two of the last three World Cup winners as well. And Costa Rica and Japan are no slouches. So this should be a tough group. Um, anyone has any thoughts on who's going to make it from this? Is it going to be a cakewalk for the Europeans or um, is, is it going to be tougher than that? Yeah, I think I think it's going to be pretty straightforward. Uh, Spain and Germany should go through in this group. I think both uh, Japan and uh, Costa Rica um, struggling with goals a little bit. Um, Spain, uh, I think, are also struggling with goals. Uh, I, I wonder why they have Morata as their number nine. That's pretty shocking that they're struggling for goals. But they have the quality in midfield that I don't think any other um, uh, team in this World Cup has. I think they averaged more than 70% possession in, in the Euros. Uh, they have Gavi and Pedri who, who are the next big things, keeping uh, the likes of Thiago out of the squad. Um, I, they can do all the running parts as well, as well as the passing you to death parts. And I think everything is great until they reach the box. Um, but I do think they'll have more than enough to get out of the group. I think it's the knockout stages where they'll come undone and probably end up uh, with a few nil-nils and penalty shootouts in the knockout stages as well. Yeah, I think especially in the front line, Spain uh, haven't really changed from the past. Uh, and they have a lot of out-of-form players up front like Pablo, Sarabia, then you have Morata, Ferran Torres, Asensio, Olmo... None of them uh, have been in form recently and that's, uh, I think I agree with Radha that uh, like they have very good fundamentals, they have good structure, they are very tough to beat but when it really comes to knockouts, I don't see that forward line, you know, being able to finish goals that they have created, uh, that they are creating uh, and that's the problem which they have had in the past as well. I am going to go ahead and say that Spain is going to have a tough time getting out of this group. I mean, it's not going to be as easy as uh, maybe I went a little far, but I don't think it's going to be as easy as the Spain and Germany both walking over uh, uh, Costa Rica and Japan. I do expect Japan. Japan has an upset in them, and if Spain start off drawing, then there will be a lot of pressure on them. And as the two gentlemen before me pointed out, they do have a final third problem. Let's see. I'm, I'm, I, I, like when I looked at all the groups, I know I wasn't on the previous episode, uh, but this one seems like it may not be so straightforward to me. Like, I'm hoping there's some excitement on this one. Yeah, I think this has to be the group where we, where, which does not have a proper recognized striker, right? Uh, so the uh, although 
having said that the last time spain uh, won the world cup or well the only time they won the world cup they did not they they got a lot of their goals or whatever goals they scored managed to score from the midfield so it's not like they have always relied on strikers uh, they had david villa was probably one of the most recognized strikers at one point in time but they don't have someone of similar ilk at the moment uh, and for germany as well they don't uh, they they don't they don't have a proper striker uh, that they can rely on unless uh, and up will kill me for this kai havertz is probably the one who's leading <laughs> leading their forward line so unless unless you call them a, uh, call him a proper striker uh, I don't think I. I mean, we. I mean, we. We, we really can't, don't have someone who's scoring the goals. Uh, a couple of players that I want to point out uh, over here um, uh, is one is uh, Musiala from Germany. He's been. Ha- he's had a really good game for. Sorry, he's had a really good season for Bayern Munich. Uh, Serge Gnabry is there as well. Always an exciting player. Uh, and and another another guy who I would like to call out from uh, uh, from from Japan is actually he's called the Japanese Messi. It's uh, Ritsu Doan from Freiburg. So watch out for him as well. Yeah, I don't know whether it's fair to say um, uh, no recognizable strikers. I think Murata is very much a striker. He just can't recognize the goal. Uh, but Germany, I'm I'm actually looking forward to a new kind of Germany without their core of Hummels and and Cruz this time around. Uh, a lot of people there who are technically great and also familiar with each other: Kimmich, Musiala, Goretzka, Sane. I'm looking forward to watch Bayern Munich play at this World Cup. Uh, you know, my optimism for Germany also stems uh, from a Bayern Munich link. Uh, Hansi Flick. I, I was very impressed by that Bayern Munich team which won the Champions League in 2020. Uh, I don't think a lot of managers, you know, have that structure uh, when they manage their national teams. And uh, for that reason, I'm uh, also, uh, you know, in the in the first preview, I wasn't very uh, uh, like complimentary about Germany. But I also have, you know, more than decent hopes from them that they will be uh, a well-structured young team with a lot of work ethic. They also will struggle with goals a bit and maybe with consistency. But I am sure that they will be an interesting team to watch. Yeah, for me, I think uh, Germany are in transition season. So, probably the next Euros would be a perfect prime time for this Germany squad. So, you have folks like Mukoko and Karim Adeyemi. I just wanted to call out Karim Adeyemi because he is, like every year in football manager, you have some of the crops who are uh, scouted by the football manager scouts and tagged as the wonder wonder kids or the high potential players. So Karim Adeyemi and Yusuf Mokoko, both coincidentally from Dortmund, no surprise, uh, have that tag this this time around. So they might throw a surprise. I mean, we might consider that Spain has a much more settled squad, but uh, Germany might just do it on the day. But yeah, Spain would be uh, would be in prime position. I also wanted to call out the fact that I mean. We've not we've discussed this on the group sometimes, but not discussed this uh, on the pod yet, I guess. But no De Gea in in the Spain squad, so not even the fifth best uh, goalkeeper for them. And finally, in the final 23, no Kepa as well. But uh, both the Brighton and the Brentford keepers have made it, so Sanchez and Raya are both in there. So that's that's a very different sort of uh, lineup, right? Whenever you've seen goalkeepers from these elite nations, it's usually been from someone from this, uh, someone from an elite club. 
but spain taking a very different route there i think uh, luis enrique has uh, always been very consistent in his uh, selection it's of course surprising that you know de gea doesn't even make it into that 50 uh, 55 man shortlist uh, but probably uh, from enrique's point of view he doesn't want to start him and if he doesn't start him there's no point keeping such a high profile figure uh, you know in the dressing room although de gea is nothing uh, you know nothing as thorny as compared to some other people can be but probably he just trying to avoid any possible controversies you know uh, rk said a very nice point there which i caught if there is not going to start there's no point in keeping such a high profile player it reminds you of someone else anyway yeah i think uh, just coming back to the spain goalkeeper point uh, i think deha has not played for spain in over 2 years now so and so therefore it's not that much of a surprise that um, maybe he may have come as one of the three goalkeepers in the squad but uh, i don't think it's altogether very surprising given the recent uh, uh, track record lesson him not uh, playing for spain in the recent past yeah so i don't find that very surprising yeah they just uh, line on costa rica before we move on i don't think they require much to be talked about but their manager is a certain luis suarez so i am at least uh, looking forward to a team with some bite in it and on that note let's move on from group e to group f now group f has one of the most intriguing teams from uh, international football for the last i would say 8 to 10 years so many golden stars it's the golden generation what will they do etc etc and they've not done much so i'm talking about belgium with the likes of kdb lukaku hazard and they're joined in this group by canada morocco and the grand old men of croatia so this is again an, a very interesting group canada i mean not newcomers but i mean coming back after a long time also hosting the next version so uh, a new team being uh, a new legacy being formed folks like alfonso davies uh, in their squad jonathan david as well and potentially the last world cup for, uh, for uh, luka modric but uh, that's something that people have been saying for a long time now that he's on the vein he won't be starting games but he's he's carrying on so what do we think about this group yeah i think uh, belgium is uh, is one that uh, is, it took me by surprise actually um, for the for the first time in a long time i think we're entering into a tournament where everybody is not getting overly excited about belgium and thinking that oh my god look at their squad they are one of the best teams in the world i think that's happened in every tournament until now but they were actually the oldest team in euro in euro 2020 so i think in the blink of an eye it feels like just yesterday where everybody was so optimistic but i think the golden generation has come and gone and we've not realized it um they still of course have uh, kdb and he's yeah though he's more than 30 he's still the prime in the prime of his life and lukaku does score goals though he's not played much this season but they have alderweireld and vertonghen still there in defense um and munier so it's the same kind of team for a, for a long time i think they're going to uh, if they if they get uh, <laughs> tied against a team with some pace i think they're going to be in real trouble so yeah the face is now one of the new faces in the premier league so he might he has had a transformative effect at leicester maybe he'll do well for the national team as well but i'm actually not expecting much from belgium this time around yeah yeah, yeah i agree with that point uh, i think uh, the, the 
Belgium has kind of gone through a similar journey that the, uh, the England golden generation of 2006 went through, right? Like a lot of expectation on that team and then they underperformed and they did not deliver. I think uh, Belgium were one of the favourites for the previous World Cup. Granted, they, they finished third in that, uh, uh, in, in, that, in that edition, but they, I don't think they have realised their full potential. And again, Roberto Martin is, isn't someone who particularly excited us, uh, uh, us fans, right? Uh, they have some misfiring forwards as well. Lukaku isn't the player that he once was. Uh, Eden Hazard, I think once post him leaving Chelsea, I haven't seen him play the way that he played. Uh, in the Premier League, and then uh, as Radha mentioned, the the defenders as well, uh, really aging defenders. So it will be it will be, I don't know. I I am not really expecting much from them. But as far as this particular group is concerned, I think they have got one of the easier groups compared to um, uh, the likes of Portugal or Brazil for that matter. So I think they should get out of the group stage. But how far they'll go, that that is something that we don't really know. You guys are forgetting one of the you know prime players from Belgium, Michi Bachuai. I think I am putting him up for one of the you know my golden boot contenders. I mean, considering that he he can come off the bench, maybe he might just be able to pick off uh, tiring defenses. But you never know. You know, let's look at some of the players who are at a good age in this squad. So uh, and and. Let's look at if they are going to get a chance to, you know, play for Belgium or not. Uh, Onana has been pretty impressive for Everton, but he's probably competing against Axel Witzel, who's been there since forever. The same can be said about De Ketelier, but uh, I guess he would be competing uh, with either KDB or uh, one of the wing positions, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, then you have Jeremy Doku, who impressed quite a lot. Uh, I, I remember Radha being especially interested and... Him being linked with Liverpool, I don't, I, I don't know if he's in the scheme of things for them to start. Uh, Leandro Trossard, I really hope gets a lot of minutes because he's in a golden patch. Uh, but other than these players, you know, can't see a lot of new players. Uh, and you know, knowing international football and the way Martinez goes, he would be going with a lot of trusted folks. I really, uh, you know, feel that the defense will be especially porous with the age group. Yeah, so uh, uh, I, I, one thing that actually is quite interesting in this uh, group is the quality of fullbacks. Um, I, I, even though uh, Davies doesn't play at fullback for uh, Canada, a typical uh, Canada, by the way, a typical team, small team with a great player, and the great player kind of does some weird shit in the team. Uh, so he plays as a number ten for them. Uh, and um, uh, it reminds me of that Adebayor in Togo where uh, he played almost like a midfielder in that team uh, but yeah they have uh, Sam Adekukbe who's uh, supposed to be as exciting and athletic as Davies and I think Morocco have two of the best uh, fullbacks in the in the World Cup I would say Hakimi and Mazraoui are both uh, there funny story though about M- Morocco <laughs> I think uh, this is the their coach this is the third time he has taken a team to the World Cup up and he's got sacked in, in in three separate occasions by three different countries after qualifying for the World Cup. So this so first time was with uh, Ivory Coast with Drogba and the Toure brothers and everything. Then it was with Japan uh, a little later and now with Morocco. Apparently the source of this is a is some training room fights that he's had with Hakim Ziyech and Mazraoui. 
and the beef with zh apparently and this is hilarious if it's true is on a hot sunny day he had mandated that his players drink water every 5 minutes and in one of the 5 minute one of the breaks uh, zh decided not to drink water and he forced him to and he poured <laughs> the water out onto the ground so apparently that's what the beef was about and now he's been sacked yeah i mean if you tell a chelsea player that he needs to drink water he might have some bad memories coming back from the training ground so i mean a certain mr danny drink water might be dominating his memories which is why he he probably did, did that but yeah i mean i think uh, morocco has some interesting uh, players as well i don't think uh, that they would fall under the stereotype that uh, radha was displaying last episode i don't think uh, morocco is a team that falls under the same category as iran or saudi arabia or tunisia um they they have an interesting squad and they they might cause uh, some trouble to these uh, teams as well i mean uh, croatia is an aging squad will they able will they be able to carry on as they did last time round uh, there there is always some chance right and i think morocco and canada both have the opportunity to take either of them you know every world cup i really look forward to these african teams which of them can do well because uh they are slightly more unorganized and they uh, like they bring a bit more you know uh, what do you say originality to the game uh, looking at the different african teams i think we discussed senegal and how they are going to miss mane i really hope that morocco can you know st- step it up with uh, the kind of players that they have some of the players that they have amin harith and you know ziek in attack mazrawi uh, uh you know in full back i don't know how they are going to manage that uh, you know right back situation but hopefully they are able to get their best players in the 11 and uh, do something good this time quick shout out to some of the uh, premier league players that we are so used to watching as well uh, for croatia so ivan perisic is uh, one of those full backs or wing backs if i may um that will be uh, that will be playing for croatia um that we can potentially possibly be relating to uh, of course you have uh, the chelsea fanboys will know uh, kovacic as well so but these are not really exciting players i think uh, the the most exciting of the lot is probably luka modric uh, and potentially this is going to be his last world cup so i'm gunning for croatia to you know uh, qualify first from this from this from this not so interesting group I just clarifying apparently the water story is Mazraoui and not uh, ZH so uh, that's that's one uh, ZH was just dropped on merit I I, I guess um, but uh, but yeah I I'm, I'm actually looking forward to this group a lot you said it's not a very competitive group I think it'll be quite exciting because the good teams are probably not as good as they have been in the past and the other teams are they have something in them to give some x factor as well so i hope it's a, an exciting and close group uh, the other you know interesting thing about this group is it has two teams who could very well have you know been in a final against each other belgium for me were one of the better teams at the uh, at the previous world cup and they were going on full steam till the time they met a very you know door disciplined france uh, i still remember that semi final how frustrating it was for me to watch because i never took to france in that world cup the way that they were playing and i was really hoping for belgium to get through in which case it would have been uh, you know pretty much a dream final for me you know two first time uh, uh, like teams trying to win it first time but uh, you know a word on croatia some some interesting names out there 
Radha, what's up with Lovren nowadays? Don't worry about Lovren, RK. He's still the best centre-back in the world in his eyes. Uh, so, he's going to continue to be the best centre-back in the world this World Cup as well. Yeah, I feel good about Croatia. It feels weird to see a Croatia team without the Mario Mandzukic name in it. Uh, I think this is the first time that I'm seeing a World Cup with Croatia which does not have Mandzukic. But yeah, I think uh, it's still a... As Ashwin was saying, it's still a mix of largely the older stars that have served them well in the past. The Modric, Kovacic, uh, Lovren, etc. Uh, I do... I mean, I know there's a lot said on Morocco and there are some exciting players. I do expect... Uh, I do expect that, uh, uh, you know, uh, and Belgium will make it out of this group. So that brings us to the end of the first part. In the second part, we'll uh, do the analysis of groups G and H and we'll also do a quiz and then we'll have the final predictions for the World Cup from the guys. See you in a bit. Welcome back to part two and we are starting off with the quiz and uh, in this quiz I'm going to limit the 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 World Cups to the World Cups that happened before any of us were born to, to make this interesting and the dread I can see is making my day. Let's start with an easy one. 1982 World Cup. How many teams participated? 24. 16. Correct. The first time that 24 teams participated. Okay, 1978. What was introduced for the first time in World Cups in this World Cup? Any clue? Um, a method of ending the game. No, or penalty shootouts. Yep, the first time penalty oh. shootouts were added. And who finished as the top scorer in this World Cup? I don't know. I'm going to say uh, some Argentine only. It, it was an Argentinian. Mario Kempis? Yes, it was Mario Kempis. Indeed, six goals. Okay, uh, which 1954, which team holds the record f- to this date for maximum goals scored in a tournament? In a single tournament. Has to be Hungary. Yes. <laughs> so, 1950, Brazil were the hosts and everyone had lots of hopes from them. But they ended up losing in the final or in the last game, which made sure that Uruguay won. What change did Brazil make to basically say that, yeah, okay, to, to ward off bad luck after this 1950 debacle, so to speak? Did they, was there a different color jersey before that? Yes. They changed from all white jersey to the current jersey, which has the colors of the flag as well. So, yep, that's correct. Name the three teams who withdrew after qualifying to this World Cup. I think one of them is India. India. Yep. For sure. And to be honest, listener, I didn't even care about the other two. I just wanted to get this out to the general public <laughs> that India has the history of qualifying for the World Cups, even though they might not have ended up playing in them. But yeah, it was India, Scotland and Turkey. Okay, moving swiftly on from that quiz uh, to Group G now. And I think this has the team most people have earmarked as uh, favourites for the title. 
also the romantics favorite for uh, any football related activity it's of course brazil so brazil are in this group along with serbia switzerland and cameroon so cake walk for them or will it be tough against irritating if i may say so opposition like switzerland and serbia and cameroon no slouches either i think i think they're going to get through this group reasonably comfortably uh, there are many reasons for that uh, let's start with the main one i think this is going to be neymar's uh, swan song Uh, he's indicated that he's not one of those guys who's going to play a long career into his late 30s and that and we all know that he likes a party so i think this is going to be um one of the last few seasons neymar plays football he was a, he played a pivotal role in that olympics in brazil so uh, i hope he can pull it out one last time for the world cup and uh, this this actually shocked me he needs just three goals to cross pele as the top scorer in brazil history considering all the names that brazil have had in their history that's a pretty remarkable feat uh, that just shows you we take his scoring for granted at times but aside from him the the sheer depth in attack that they have is just exciting like today i was going through the team and literally got uh, got shivers you have the likes of martinelli and jesus of course are in hot form but then vinicius rodrigo uh, the the pace over there is just incredible and then they have of course paqueta uh, who can mix things up uh, tactically flexible and my main man alison becker i think he's the best goalkeeper in the world and i hope he shows it at this world cup i'm excited for brazil yeah definitely one of the most um, exciting brazilian squads uh, uh, to have Uh, to have played the world cup and of course they have they probably go as one of the favorites every time but this time it seems that they are you know hands down there to win the world cup as well as rather mentioned the fact that this is neymar's last world cup is the added impetus that they that they probably need uh, and one more thing that we probably don't realize is that the warmer temperatures in qatar might actually help the brazilians uh, unlike the europeans so i think I think that is def- definitely something that works in their favor. I was looking at their at their squad and I was trying to find a weakness. I, they they don't seem to have much weaknesses apart from a certain man named Alex Telles, <laughs> which happened to play for Man United as well. Uh, but yeah, I mean, look at their forward line. They have they have they have Neymar. They have uh, they have Gabriel Martinelli. They have Rodrigo. They have Rafinha. They have in in central midfield they have casemiro and fred who seems to play be a much different fred from brazil and then the two best goalkeepers in the world in alison becker and ederson as well so yeah uh, just a word on brazil one aspect that i wanted to talk about was uh, their defensive midfield the two most uh, uh, like uh, the two most impressive midfielders in the premier league uh this season uh, have been uh, are both in the brazilian squad gumarais uh, and casemiro although they might not start together but i am i am i for one will be very excited to watch if you know the two of them can come in because i think that will be a very good uh, you know combination for brazil uh they have very good center backs as well but uh, one weakness for brazil which teams will look to exploit is uh, down the flanks uh i'm not sure if alves uh, is going to start for them uh, telles as uh, ashwin mentioned is a definite you know anomaly a misnomer in that squad i don't know how he really made it and 
the nation of you know famous uh, fullbacks doesn't seem to have enough to keep uh, Teles or out of the team. So that will be something that you know teams look to exploit. Now looking at the other other teams, um, I think Switzerland are an interesting one. Uh, they have an inform granite jaka as well so it'll be it'll be interesting to see you know how they how they fare up but also cameroon like i think it is always good to have an exciting african team if i'm if if i'm not wrong they finished third in the afcon as well right so uh it, it i mean maybe they can be they are probably one of the dark horses of this particular group so it's not actually as easy a group as people might think it to be it's uh it, i think brazil are too strong for all the other three nations but uh, i think we have we 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 can't we can expect and we uh, we should not rule out some upsets from cameroon or even serbia for that matter i think yeah, the guys have said enough on brazil i do expect that over their three games like don't be surprised if they score 10 plus goals in their uh, group stage Uh, but i think this group can be exciting for that second place scramble i think we have three teams there who are um, i think what serbia switzerland and cameroon i think any of those three could get into that second place so i think there could be some real uh, like hidden gems uh, in the serbia versus uh, Cameroon type of games this in this group i think they can be pretty exciting this time uh, just uh, like about serbia right one of the interesting things about them is uh, that this time they are actually not a door defensive team that we have seen from serbia in the previous editions they they seem to have an attractive uh, you know style of play uh, especially up front in form players we will be again tuning into mitrovic ab i'm sure will have him in his fantasy teams that he makes for the world cup and uh, uh, you know you have dusan vlahovic i think i think that has been a pair that has done very well uh, together up front you have uh, milinkovic savic linked countless times to united and uh, he he's been a consistent uh, presence in the serie a in terms of productivity they have dusan tadic right so i think uh, you know definitely not a team uh, 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 you know that's going to be a pushover by any stretch they might actually have a have a structure which you know sizes up well against brazil and uh, one of the dark horses uh, other teams to watch out for from europe for me uh, you talked about mitro watch um, rk i think uh, some another kickass stat that i read he got to 50 international goals faster than ronaldo and messi so there you go maybe ab knows what he's talking about and the dusra dusan that you mentioned tadic uh his corners are supposed to be undefendable and with somebody like mitrovic in the box i, I think there's some there's some tadic to mitrovic action that we can expect in this world cup um switzerland i'm also looking forward to seeing shakiri he uh, he saves one stunner for every major tournament so hopefully we can see some uh, bicycle kicks or 40 yard strikes from him that should be fun and uh, apparently somer is supposed to be uh, one of the goats of uh, penalty saving so i'm looking forward to seeing some penalties against switzerland then this time uh, one one fun fact uh, about switzerland their manager uh, murad yakin has passed history with mohammed salah Uh, in Salah's breakthrough season uh, uh, with Basel, he had led them to the quarterfinals. So probably that's good portents, good omens for them. 
yeah I, and uh, i think cameroon as well um, shouldn't be i think actually they have a good shout to finish uh, in the top 2 in this group uh, the simple reason for that being their goal scorers up front i think the two of them topped the afcon and uh, as the top 2 goal scorers abubakar and uh, tokos and they were the top 2 scorers so in a group which is uh, pretty tight i think that can make the difference they also have some epl stars like mwemo and so they do have something in there i think they can surprise a few people and they have a good shot to finish second i think before we move on and i i, I know I, i know rather brought up cameroon but like one one person we are missing uh, uh, and we have not talked about is the champions league legend that is uh, eric maxim chupamoting uh uh he i'm just checking the scores here again like they had a friendly and he scored uh against panama as well so uh, let's not forget the legend that he is yeah not too many careers go from stoke to psg to bayern munich right so kudos to him and uh, we we'll look forward to him setting the world cup on fire uh moving on from uh, this group then to the last group which is group h and it has some tasty competitions coming our way could potentially be the most open and most even group of the world cup so we've got portugal and i guess there are some players and players interactions that we might want to talk about here then we've also got ghana we've got uruguay So there is a beef battle there. I mean, everyone remembers the Luis Suarez handball. Would Ghana prefer to beat Uruguay and go out, or would they want to win and uh, go through? I mean, what would they care for more? I don't know. And then we have Son and his South Korea as well. So, I mean, this one looks to be a really, really tasty affair. So let's get straight to the point, right? Uh, everybody needs to talk about it. So the main man from Portugal, so Bernardo Silva. I mean, uh, looking forward to him. He's going to be great. Uh, just kidding. I mean, we all know that the main man is Cancelo, but Cancelo is actually going to play right back for them. So that actually, I'm not too excited about that. They have Nuno who plays left back. Um, so. Um, I think they miss out on Cancelo's genius when he's playing on the right, but let's see. I think that's all we need to talk about for Portugal, right? You are forgetting Diogo Dalot. I I think uh, because Ronaldo has such a big factor in selection, uh, Dalot is going to start over Cancelo because as per Ronaldo, Dalot is one of the most professional players he has ever met in his life. Yeah, talking about talking about longevity, right? So Diogo Dalot is probably someone who listens to him the most, and I think he listened. Um, Uh, to his every word, even during preseason, because if I remember clearly, he was one of those who left early in the preseason along with him. But uh, jokes apart, like uh, I mean, I am going to the World Cup mostly for Portugal, and this is this is this is the 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 game that I think everyone will have their eyes on at least from this group is Portugal Uruguay. Um, uh, Cristiano Ronaldo versus David Nunes, Suarez, Cavani, Bruno Fernandes. uh cancelo i mean both the teams are like littered with stars not just premier league stars but like stars in general uh it's a very open group although having said that song hyung min from south korea may not play the first few matches so that that puts south korea in a bit of a disadvantage um the ghanian team i i don't know much about them as- aside from the ma- fact that they are managed by um uh, 
uh, a manager who is also the talent manager of Borussia Dortmund. I think I think it will be Uruguay first and Portugal second. Uh, um, I think Portugal will have a really hard time qualifying out of the group because this this I think the teams are quite even. Yeah, that's a pretty bold prediction there because you know as soon as the Portugal squad came out and I looked at the sheer quality that they have in each position for me they are like they are sticking out as clear group winners i know uruguay are strong uh, they have darwin nunes of course they have still have cavani suarez etc i think darwin should start uh, they still have some old names diego godin who's been it feels like he's been around forever uh, and a few others uh, but I feel that they are a little light in midfield, uh, just which is where Portugal is like extremely strong. Um, uh, I mean, I do agree with Ashwin in the sense that I think Portugal and Uruguay will get out of this group. But uh, just looking at the sheer quality in each of the positions, I think Portugal should win the group comfortably. Yeah, uh, the Portugal midfield is uh, what I wanted to talk about a bit more as well. Uh, when you look at, uh, again... Very good players uh, from uh, the Premier League as well as PSG. I really want to see Palinia uh, start for them. Uh, very, very impressive in the recent game against Manchester United. Uh, Neves, of course, we have talked a lot about on this group. Vitinha, as well, uh, we have talked about on the pod in the way how he has been able to balance uh, you know, the PSG midfield and allowed the attacking talents ahead of him to flourish which is some and also been good on the ball which is something that you know probably will be needed uh, in this portugal uh, squad as well with the attack that they have uh, bernardo silva will be one of the most important players in the team but a uh, real shout out to one of the you know rising stars of world football rafael leao should find his way into the starting 11 and probably might even be you know one of the golden boot contenders and uh, with with the kind of slightly slower pace that the World Cup, uh, you know, or the international football plays in, might be a bit closer to Serie A and to his taste. I really expect Rafael Liao to, uh, you know, make a big splash this tournament. I'm actually surprised uh, at how little we've t- we've talked about uh, Cristiano. Uh, but see, I think I'm equally excited, RK, about uh, Rafael Liao. He's been exciting. A quick shout out to Palinia. I think he's been just superb for Fulham as well uh, this season. Uh, I think he's got a lot of steel in that midfield. Bernardo Silva though makes the team tick like he does for Man City. I think he is actually. I, I know I jo- joked earlier. I think he is the main man uh, for Portugal. Um, everything goes around the rhythm that he creates in the team. Um, Andre Silva is another one that I'm looking forward to. But Ronaldo is, of course, the main topic on my mind. Uh, RK has been making the argument for the last many weeks about how United are less so when they have Ronaldo in the team uh, than otherwise. I think that there's a little bit of that for Portugal as well. They have... uh, they have played a lot of games where they've considered goals and that usually comes out of them being a very poor pressing team. Yeah, Raza, I think one of the things that has held Portugal back for me in whichever tournament I've seen them, the wealth of talent that they have, they never seem to be able to translate it on the pitch in the same measure. And a, a, a large part of that, I blame it on Fernando Santos. In the recent interview with Piers Morgan, Ronaldo calls him a world-class coach, but I have never really... Uh, you know, liked what I've seen from him uh, for Portugal. Of course, uh, Ronaldo's opinions are based on, you know, who sucks up to him better. But uh, uh, Bruno Fernandes has also 
been uh, a, uh, you know someone who who struggled for portugal the kind of shape that they play in uh, he's he's always seems to be kind of played out of position so i am not even sure if you know he should start for portugal given the kind of talent who fit into you know uh, round uh, you know square pegs and square holes kind of thing that they have i don't think bruno is a natural starter yeah quick quick point on uh, bruno fernandes is what he's called when he plays for portugal and bruno fernandes when he's when he plays for man united but anyway so i think i think uh, uh, we 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 discussed this at some point uh, when we started the spot as well that uh bruno does not necessarily play really well or link very well with uh, cristiano ronaldo and and we know cristiano ronaldo is a dead starter for for portugal like i think all the things that he has done this season has been centered around keeping himself fit for the world cup and potentially lifting the trophy so i would be i i would not be surprised that bruno does not start all the games and if he does start uh they the two might not click with each other and the last point that i wanted to also talk about is the fact that portugal actually did not qualify automatically out of their group for the world cup they had to go through the playoffs and that's why i feel that they might not be the ones who would finish on the uh, finish top of this particular group ghana's midfield also uh, we have talked about mid- midfields in this group a lot uh, seems to be pretty intriguing uh, you have uh, you know mohammed kudus who set the champions league on fire uh, and and he's been able to play in a variety of positions for them thomas parte has set the premier league on fire would definitely be one of the star midfielders in this tournament to watch out for daniel amarte uh, has also uh, been someone who's been deployed in a in a few roles so we are not sure if we are going to see him at you know center back or uh, is it going to be in defensive midfield also ghana have you know benefited from converting a couple of players uh, to their i mean into their national team Derek Lamptey, watch out for him. We we have seen how bright he is, you know, for Brighton. Uh, and Inaki Williams is also, you know, going to be uh, like uh, one of the plus factors when they have actually struggled for a bit of star power. So I'm uh, on Uruguay. I think uh, I have to talk about Luis Suarez. It's going to be his last World Cup for sure. And I think sometimes he gets a, a raw deal in the greatness conversations. Uh, in his peak, he was right up there with Messi and Ronaldo at their peak. i think that goes under the radar sometimes uh, but whatever happens whether good or bad this is going to be uh, one of the um, most eventful uh, groups for sure they have uh, pepe on one side and uh, suarez on the other i think it's going to be fireworks i'm looking forward to some i don't know what these two can pull out of it but it's going to be exciting but there's also another guy that uh, i'm really looking forward to i think he's in the top 5 players in the world right now and he's number 1 on my wish list of people we can sign at liverpool that's uh, fede valverde um i'm going to be keeping a close eye on him he's genuinely exciting and i uh, i don't know what to expect from uruguay they've scored 22 goals in qualifying and they've also conceded 22 goals uh, so i i think this group is going to be very open yeah uh, rk you talked about inaki williams i think he has a really good story right i mean uh, for me football is all about the stories and uh, i mean he and his family basically walked over as refugees came into spain i mean he's built a career with athletic bilbao and he i think if i'm not mistaken he has the record for the longest uh, number of uh, games played without uh, an absence in la liga history so and his younger brother is also now playing for athletic bilbao and both of them 
playing for separate countries so nico the younger one is part of the spain uh, national setup and inaki is there uh, as uh, part of the ghana setup i mean i mean wonderful to see these stories play out on the world stage as well so yeah just a shout out to inaki williams there did we talk about son young ming this entire group conversation i think that's uh, is one of the best players in the premier league and i think we've gone the entire distance without even mentioning him uh, i think one more of those average teams with a world class player who they depend too much on uh, do you guys know what to expect from south korea i mean uh, he's this is supposed to be another of those uh, single player based teams and um, i think ever since we recorded the the last episode and we talked about how critical and crucial mane will be and his absence will be felt just just uh, a mention that it's now been confirmed that he's going to miss the entire tournament and sun is the same way apparently there's been an uptick in the sale of uh, masks face masks because the south korean fans want to wear those face masks in in solidarity or in support of son being there and wearing a face mask to protect his fractured eye socket so that's the kind of talismanic power that this guy has uh, with regards to his national team so yeah i mean korea would definitely be hoping that he gets up to speed sooner rather than later yeah i know of course uh, we'll definitely miss son but uh, uh, let's not forget that uh, let's not forget they have a uh, young striker in hong uh from wolves as well uh he's known as the bull in south korea uh, i know he doesn't start much for wolves but like uh there are some recognizable uh, names out there um i think south korea named a, a a substitute for son hyung min as well uh and he's called uh he plays for freiburg actually he's a young exciting winger his name is Jong Woo Young uh, apologies for uh, to our asian listeners if i'm pronouncing it wrong but uh, he's he's young he's of course not son uh, but uh, yeah he's expected to lead the line for south korea south korea also have uh, uh, you know uh, one of the players from the informed teams in world football napoli uh, the napoli uh, center back Uh, is part of their squad and he was even you know the seria player of the month in september 2022 so they seem to have a few positives at the back as well but uh, the main thing for me is having an asian ronaldo and the actual ronaldo in the same group i always uh, you know used to associate uh, son hyung min's playing style uh, with ronaldo uh, especially you know the ronaldo who was transitioning from the winger into the striker um very interesting thing actually across all these groups that we've talked about today uh, there seem to be some teams with absolutely no strikers and there seem to be other teams that are just packed full of them uh, spain germany croatia uh, switzerland all struggling to put up a, a good number 9 but then you also have the likes of uh, cameroon you have uh, uruguay uh, you have portugal of course brazil Uh, so many teams that are and even serbia i guess but so many teams which have so many quality forwards that they can play uh, very weird uh, second half of the world cup uh, and i wonder whether that will make a difference in all these groups so that brings us to the end of uh, the preview of the groups i think uh, all that's left for me to do is ask the guys uh, their final predictions now that we're just a day away from the start of the world cup so who's going to win 
I mean, the the final two teams for you. I mean, you must have done your analysis by now. Who's going to be A one? Who's going to be B two? So on and so forth. And uh, probably Golden Boot winner as well. So let's go, Ratha. Yeah, it's a little complex, but I'm expecting. I'm hoping and expecting Brazil will win this uh, tournament, and I think in order to do that, they'll have a really tough route to the to the championship. They'll have to beat the likes of I think maybe Spain or Argentina on the way. So that's going to be really hard. But I think they are well suited uh, to it this time around. Lot of lot of balance. Don't think there's one area which can be targeted too badly. Um, the other team that I think uh, we talked about last episode, um, France. It can be either great or it can be absolute uh, a, a total ruckus. So I think France and uh, I don't I don't look too far away from a Brazil and France final. Top scorer, I think there are a few. Um, um, I think Neymar is in with a shout. He was in the top few scorers in the uh, in the qualifying as well. But uh, I think it's going to be somebody like uh, Benzema. Uh, I think he's got. Um, a lot of attacking support around him and Mbappe in a creative role as well. Uh, I think Benzema is going to be the man, at, the right man at the right place uh, for France. So I think he's going to take the title. For me, the best two teams in this tournament are uh, Brazil and Argentina. So I think one of uh, I am hoping to see a, a final swag. I am I have not gone into that depth, so I don't know if a final of Brazil Argentina is possible, but. I think one of those two teams is going to win, uh, uh, hopefully. And then, uh, like uh, you know, talking of golden ball, I have a few left field candidates as well. Depending on the teams that they are facing in their respective groups, uh, I think one of these Dutch strikers uh, might be able to fill a hat against Qatar. Uh, you know, so Cody Gakpo or Memphis. You know, I don't know. Uh, you know, they might be there. The shout same for Harry Kane as well. Uh, he, uh, he like Harry Kane. Whatever happens to England always seems to be in, uh, you know, in these kind of conversations. Uh, Lautaro Martinez playing, you know, with the supply that Di Maria and you know Messi are, uh, uh, you know, going to give him from deeper is a uh, you know bound to. I think if Argentina go far, Lautaro is going to be there uh, with a shout uh, on uh, in the golden ball. I would also watch out. You know, for people like Rafael Liao, so these would probably be my top four players for Golden Ball. I am going to go for Argentina winners, uh, Brazil runner-up, and again, like okay, I don't know if that final lineup is even possible, but let's go for it. And uh, for Golden Ball uh, top scorer, I am going to go with uh, the man to come back with a bang, Cristiano Ronaldo. Um, um yeah i'm going to uh, i'm going to go for argentina in the finals i i don't think they can play brazil in the finals uh from what from what i know um uh, so um i'm going to go for argentina i'm going to hope for argentina versus portugal and the final showdown between messi and ronaldo uh and <laughs> i would have said Portugal should have been the winners, but after the interview that we had last week with Cristiano Ronaldo, I'm gonna hope that Argentina win. Uh, but in terms of in terms of where my predictions lie, I think it's it's really difficult to see beyond beyond Brazil. I think Brazil are gonna end up uh, winning the World Cup. Uh, so heart says 
Portugal are going to are going to win. Uh, mine says Brazil are going to win the World Cup. Um, as far as the Golden Boot is concerned, uh, I think it's going to be it's going to be tight. I I don't think it's going to be uh, Cristiano Ronaldo. Uh, I I think I think they'll probably need to get their goals from uh, the the rest of the team. Uh, I'm actually going to go for Lionel Messi. I think this is this is his time to shine. I think this is going to be this is going to be uh, this this his his last dance as well. And he is in form, not just for Argentina but also for PSG. So I'm going to go for uh, Lionel Messi as the golden golden boot winner. Uh, for me, I think uh, I mean depending on the probabilities, Brazil, I mean, any team can face any other team in the final. It depends on where you finish in the group. But barring those upsets, I think it would be Brazil versus France or Portugal in the final. And Brazil versus Argentina would be a semi-final. So, um, yeah, I, I think the South American team would prevail over the Europeans this time around. So, Brazil should win. And uh, Golden Boot... I think it's Lautaro because they have an easy group. So he might fill his boots, if you allow me the pun, against teams like Saudi Arabia. And you're you're expecting Argentina to go far anyway. So so he, he might have had uh, numerical superiority by the time it comes to the later uh, group stage games. Brazil is a superior team, but they don't have as easy a group as Argentina has. I mean, Argentina don't have that easy a group, but their fourth team is absolutely dire. So it should, it could be Lautaro for me. So, so yeah, I think uh, on France, I think they have a pretty easy group as well. So between Benzema and Mbappe, they might be licking their lips against Australia and Tunisia. Um, I actually came across this mod, this uh, apparently an Oxford mathematical model predictor for the World Cup. And it has Brazil winning, but uh, in the round of 16, they play Uruguay, then they play Spain, and then they play Argentina, and then they play Belgium in the final. Um, so that's the that's what the predictor model has uh, has got, and it's Belgium versus France in the semi-final in the other in the other side of the draw. So interesting stuff. But uh, I think the Oxford mathematical mathematical model also agrees with a few of us here. And on that interesting note, uh, that brings us to the end of uh, this episode with the preview. Um, we have the start right upon us, so we look forward to the games. And as we mentioned in the last episode, we'll keep bringing up uh, analysis of the games, hopefully twice a week. And we hope to have your company in the future as well. That, on that note, have a good evening. See you soon. Bye. Bye.